0: You may be seated, and uh, if you're age 12 and under, you can head back to Camp Pointway. They've got a lesson back there for you. They're using the gospel project back there, so some good teaching back there as well. Well, I'm trying something new this morning. I know, it's scary. Some of you are like, whoa, what." Not a big deal. I'm, uh, I've got a new Bible this week. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a big one. It's, a, it's actually the biggest print they told me. I'm not sure what that means, if they're thinking I'm getting old or, or what, but yeah, peanut gallery back there in the sound booth. I can hear them already. They were going to play a trick on me, though. They were actually going to, because I said, just give me a, a Bible that matches the, the PowerPoint back there. And evidently my Bible from 1984, which Sheila told me is vintage, which is not bad, I thought, but, but 1984 um, doesn't match. And so we're going to try to match a little bit better. So you guys are reading the exact same words I am. And I told Bryce, I said, just give me a Bible, but don't get me pink. So they were going to get a lavender and flower one, but they relinquished. And uh, I actually got it yesterday so I could mark it up so and get ready for today. So, but it is giant print, but I'll probably still need my glasses a little bit, so. But thank you, church family, for that, and like I said, hopefully this will help a little bit. We're going to continue in our series that we've been doing in the book of Colossians. Um, it's been a, an interesting series, and it's going to change a little bit today from the previous chapters, because as Paul typically does with his letters, he gives the front half a lot of identifies the problem, what's going on, gives some good doctrine, some good teaching, and then he shifts into application. And... Uh, you know, that's kind of the, the 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 formula he uses and it's really actually a good practice in many ways, right? We we know things, we know what we should do, and then putting them into practice. One of the things I enjoyed about going to Bible school in Hungary, that's actually how the classes were set up. You would study in the morning, you would do a little bit of work, grab your lunch, and then you would actually go out and put it into practice. And so um it reinforces, it helps, and it kind of drives that home a little bit. And so um, Paul's method of doing that helps us, to, and so we're going to get into in the next couple of weeks of, all right, you know what you should do, and you know what you believe. Now put that into practice, and so that's how that's been going along. And as you've been here, those that have been here, what's been the number one problem of the church? False teachers. I heard that from the cry from the back now, and Jesse, you had it up here as well, right? False teachers, right? And sadly, a lot of the false teaching that was going on in that day, guess what, is still around today. It's still out there. And one of the reasons for that is because it's popular, it sounds good, it makes us feel good, and it feeds a lot of times our flesh. And so that's why it's there. Um, as other scripture talks about our itching ears, right? We, we long to hear those things that we like, um, but the gospel is different in that way. It's a divider. It's, it's singularly focused on Christ. Uh, we spent some time in chapter 1, right, and what he did about the supremacy of Christ and how if you take anything away from Christ and what he did on the cross and his resurrection, then there's no really gospel at all. It's false. And so Paul wants to make sure. Now Paul did not start the church, or in, the churches is in that area of Colossae. Um, someone else did. And so Paul It's just writing there from prison to encourage them to remain faithful and to watch out for these false teachers. And again, sadly, there's not only teachers from the outside, but there are sometimes teachers or teaching that creeps in to the inside, into the church. And so that's what they're battling at that time. And so, um, again, the supremacy of Christ, we talked about Christ the reconciler, right? Christ is the only way we can have that relationship with God. He intercedes for us. Uh, that's the bridge, if you want to use that, that term, that we can go to God the Father, the Holy Father. And now, like I said, in chapter 3, it shifts a little bit. And it's a, it's a famous passage in many way It's a put-off-and-put-on type passage. right? It's great to take off something, but if you don't replace it, then you leave a void. And so it's, uh, it should be familiar in many ways. But chapter 3 is that passage. And it's going to shift now to how do we do that? How does that look? How does that play out in our lives as Christians? And so let's begin with chapter 3, verse 1, down through verse 4. It says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is you, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Love how he starts off here, right? Obviously, the focus is still on Christ. Paul nails this down in this letter more than anyone else, but Christ is the, the focal point, right? And he says, because of, you've been raised with Christ, because of your salvation, set your mind, or set your hearts, right? Both of them have to be working together, but first he says set your hearts on things above. Love that imagery, right? Because if we just get focused on our day-to-day and what's going on in our small circles, and relatively small circles, right? We can get discouraged, right? We can think, well, this is as good as it gets, or I don't like the situation I'm in at the moment, whether it's our jobs, whether it's our, our circle, our family life, whatever it is, it can get, drag us down, right? It's kind of short-sighted. But the encouragement is, hey, look, look beyond that, right? You're an eternal being. You have that hope in Christ that there is something better that lies ahead. It's a great message of hope, Right? I can't tell you how many people I talk and, and usually when they're down and, and, and they need encouragement, they're only focusing on the small circle that they're in or, or their circumstance. And they need that reminder. Hey, as a believer, it goes beyond that. These troubles are temporary. This is only for a short time in light of eternity. Interesting too, he starts off with the heart first, right? Heart has to change. It's a heart attitude, right? It goes a little bit deeper, right? Because we can do things on the outside, but they're only temporal usually. It's harder to maintain those longer unless we have a heart change. And Christ does that, not only through the death and burial and resurrection, our salvation, but also with the Holy Spirit. He allows our heart to, to work on us, right? To, to fill in those gaps, to guide us, to direct us. And so the heart is vitally important to changing how we look at things. But we also need our minds, right? Our heads sometimes become the stumbling block, right? Um, right? Our thoughts and how we think about things and how we process starts up here. Well, we need those working together. It can't be one or the other. It doesn't tend to, to work out well, right? We can talk ourselves out of things that we know in our heart that should be true. Right? Our mind works against us sometimes. But boy, when they're working together with Christ, it's a beautiful thing. And it's full of hope. So, again, in, with our hearts and our minds working together, and because of Christ, verse 4 says that when Christ, who is your life, appears, he will also appear within glory, right? That reminder that you've been changed and you have heaven awaiting for you, right? That hope, that encouragement. But there's some other things that you have to do besides that, right? I've always said salvation is one part, but then living that out and, and sanctification is the, the real work begins, right? Or if you're bringing someone else along, that discipleship, right? In many ways, it's easy to share the gospel and, and see someone get saved, but then discipleship is a process and a long process. Uh, it's a continuing process. I say it's a continuing education for me that I'm not sure that I'll ever going to get to that point, this side of glory, right? It's a continuation where you have to keep working on it. So there's some things that we do need to do. And and again, with everything lined up, verse 5, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. Right? So he starts off here with a pretty heavy list. Right? And again, it says put to death, right? It's not easy to put things to death, right? That's a hard, hard thing to do, right? And again, it's not just, you know, we we want to soften it, but really we, we need to kill it. We need to stamp it out. We need to put it to death. As believers, we can't allow these things to continue. That's really what he's saying. It, it, it has to end. Right? It's a poor testimony from this point as a believer to continue on these things. And this is not the exhaustive list, but it's a pretty good list here to start with sexual immorality. Remember, this was written a long time ago, but has that changed? No. Sadly, it's still around. Sorry, this, if you could see what I see, it just it would blow you away. Dawn's out there walking with the kids outside, and it's just, it's funny. It looks like a, I have this picture of like a mother hen with her little chicks walking around out there. So, sorry. Literally, that's just what walked by as I was saying that, right? Purity, lust. But to, to kill these things, right? Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires. say, so, well, these are pretty heavy. But again, sadly, there are believers that still don't want to change those areas, and they want to hold on to them, right? Just because we get saved doesn't mean all those things end, right? It's usually a process, and again, at any point in time, they can creep back in if we don't be on guard, if we don't watch out. Interestingly, though, he puts in the sexual and the impurity and lust, and we say, oh, those, those would be pretty easy to identify, but then he slides in greed, right? Oof, Man. Greed, that comes in all sorts of forms, right? Greed is easy. Greed kind of creeps up on us, right? I have a boat and I like a nicer boat. I see another one go by me and you know, it's all decked out and I've got power poles and you know, a bigger motor. and well, At the root of that, that's coveting or greed and I want that or I, I want a better reel or rod or whatever it is. Sorry, that's my struggle. I know you guys don't have those struggles, but right. but no, it really, it can become anything, right? Greed can creep in. Anything that affects us, we become more interested in grabbing something that's not of God, not what He's willing to give us. And then it becomes an idol, Right? We often think of idol worship. We think of the the Old Testament and the golden calf and going and bowing down. And certainly there are other religions that that have things that they worship, right? But as believers, we can set up those little idols just as well. And sometimes idols, it's kind of hard to distinguish because sometimes they seem like good things, right? As a grandparent, I have to be careful that my little grandkids, I mean, I love them. They're cute little things, but. They could become an idol. Our kids, our spouse even, good things, they can become idols. So it's tricky. You have to really work through that. You have to continually put that to death and, and work through that. It's not always the big item. Sometimes it's those little things. And there's a reason Paul's not just saying this to be a killjoy, and God's not saying, well, we can't have any fun or we can't have things, but verse 6 says, because of these things, the wrath of God, right? There's a judgment coming. There's sin issues, and they've got to be dealt with, and if there's sin, God can't have a part in that, and so he brings his wrath. And again, quite often, the wrath of God refers to that time of tribulation, right? Uh, the great tribulation that's yet to come, but there is a judgment that's coming for these things. And judge not only the believer, but the unbeliever. So those, those things have to be put to death. They have to be gotten rid of. He says, those are the ways you used to live, right? Before a believer and after. Well, you've also heard me say this, right? If we expect a non-believer to not do these things, we're going to be disappointed every time, right? It's an unbelieving world. They have no reason not to follow after their flesh and do these things, right? To lust, have evil desires, greed, obtain more wealth. There's nothing in them at that point. They're not a believer. But again, Paul's addressing here believers, those of us that are in the church. goes on to say in verse 8, he says, but now you also must rid yourselves. So not only those first things, but... These things as well, you must rid yourselves of all such things as these: anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of its creator. It's so a long if you want to use that, but it, right? So in addition to those really bad things, if you want to use that vernacular, what about these things? Anger, right? The Bible talks a lot about anger, right? In your anger, do not sin. It's just one that comes to mind, right? Angers can lead to bitterness, right? And Again, we make excuses for it, right? Well, I'm quick-tempered, right? Or... I hope I don't offend anybody. here. I'm Irish, right? You know, it's always a, a, the, the joke in PJ's side of the family. Um, but does it get us off the hook, really? No. And what does anger do, really? What does anger usually do? Doesn't it usually make us do things that, are, that we wouldn't do otherwise or say things that we wouldn't say, right? All of a sudden, that, that filter goes off, off, right? When we're angry, we lash out. I'll say anger also has a, a side effect that's often not realized. But when, when I'm angry, I'm usually blasting something, and it's like a shotgun blast. Now, I'm, I may be aiming for you, but guess what? I'm going to hit this whole section. And I might even hit poor Ernie over there. And if I'm really angry, I, shoot, I'll hit the back wall. Right? Somebody will catch it. But that's, it, it's reality, right? When you're angry, you don't care about anybody else. But myself. Whatever it is I'm angry about, I care about me. And so, for good reason, we can't be doing that either. And so, keeping that under control and keeping that harness, right? Maybe even biting that tongue if we have to. Because we got to rid that. We got to get rid of it. Anger's not a quality we want to have. Rage, right? So, anger, then there's rage, is another level, right? Rage is just going wild, just, just unleashing it. Malice. Malice is a word that we don't use much today, right? But malice is with intent. I want to get them back. Being from the East, you know I can picture this one, right? Road rage. It's a real thing. In fact, I, I joked with someone, oh, my sister. We were coming out of the cities this week, and, and uh, somebody cut me off, and she goes, Wow. She calls me Charles Blair. Charles Blair, you didn't even use your horn. She, she was shocked. She's like, I said, well, you know, I'm, I'm in Minnesota now. I'm, I'm learning, right? And she goes, well, the old you would have not only laid on your horn, but you would have gone and got ahead of him and cut him off. And she goes, you, you've grown. And I was like, well, thanks. It's my baby sister. You know, so hopefully I am growing. But but it's true, right? Malice is, is, all right, now how can I get them back, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cause them them on pain and probably a little bit more. Malicious. Going after them on purpose with the intent to harm, right? Malicious. Slander, right? Here's another one. Those, these are the verbal things that are coming out, right? These are the things that um, we're certainly not thinking about God. We're not our hearts are not in the right place, but slander, right? Saying something wrong about somebody else, right? Bringing down their character, right? Talking ill against them, ruining their reputation, right? Again, the world does that on a regular basis, right? It doesn't take long. If anyone rises to the top, you watch, it's not long, and then all of a sudden someone starts a rumor or something gets posted, and all of a sudden... We live in a world of misinformation, right? Slander, it's pretty easy. Doesn't take much to get that started. Filthy language, right? We talked about that in another chapter, right? About filthy language, coarse joking, all those things, anything with innuendos or it's got a bite to it, something behind it. But even filthy language, right? How we talk, how we speak, we have to be careful. Our mouths is how we communicate. And that needs to be in line with our heart, with our minds set on Christ. Paul really set this whole passage up with, hey, when you get this right, these things are not going to be so hard. These are going to be the old self. Because we want to put on our new selves, right? Let's put on new self. And again, just because we take something off, we need to put something on, right? We don't want that void Working with folks in addiction, that's that's quite often the thing. We they, they build a life with addiction and, and that group of friends and everything, and again they separate from that and they get away from that. If they don't have something else to replace it, guess what? The temptation to go back is even harder. Just see that over and over again. It could be the same for us, right? We we can change and again the, the, the people we used to hang out when we were in our sin is not the same people that we want to hang out now, and but if we don't replace them and I'll say it, replace him with some good-believing Christians, then there's a void there. And we're going to long to go back to our old friends, our old ways, our old things. And so we need to renew that. Verse 11. It's an interesting verse here. Again, this kind of identifies the problem of the day, um, but yet still the problem uh, in many circles as well. But it says, Here there is no Gentile or Jew... Circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free. But Christ is all and is in all. I had this conversation just this week with a, a gentleman. We are talking about the, the race issue that's going on. And I said, you know, it really as believers, we really, it shouldn't be a race issue. Right? They're made in the image of Christ. Period. Scripture says it over and over again, right? Made in the image of Christ. Believe or not believe they're, they're made in that image. And so to look at them any differently is wrong. And guess what? They had that problem here. Of course, they had the, the Jew-Gentile, right? That was one of the false teachings that was going on, right? They kept wanting to go back to the old ways to celebrate the Jewish festivals, to become Jewish in order to be saved. Paul says that's done away with, that's gone. That ended with Christ. That dispensation ended. We were joking about that yesterday in class and remembering Dave James here, but, right? But the field is level. It's it's the same here. And guess what? Everyone struggles with the same thing. Putting on, putting off, that same struggle. It doesn't matter. Our heritage doesn't change that, or where we come from doesn't change that. We all have that same struggle. We have that sin nature, and we have the new nature that God's given us, and, you know, to back and forth and trying to get away from that. Paul says, we're on equal ground. We're on equal ground here with Christ. It's a great reminder. Even the slave are free, right? Remember, that's a society that the Roman Empire was in control in. So almost two-thirds of the people were in some sort of slavery. And We even talked about that a little bit, right? That if you owe anything, you're a slave to that. You're, while you're at work, you're a slave to your master, your boss, right? As pastor, I'm a slave to you in many ways, to the church, right? You... Employ me to be here as your pastor and allow me that. And so there's an enslavement. And it's not a bad thing. It's just, it's a, it's just a part of life. And it's okay. You willingly do that. But they're equal. All in all. The struggle is real. It's all the same. So all that being said, verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you have a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. I'm going to wrap it up with this section right here. Again, this is what we are to put on, right? The reminder, as believers, as God's chosen people that he loves dearly, here's the things that we need to put on. Here's the things that should be evident. It should be part of the change, the new, the new me. Right? After salvation, it's the new. Compassion, right? You should have compassion for people. Have compassion for those who are lost. Have compassion. That are struggling, have compassion on our brothers and sisters in Christ. Should just ooze out of us. They should be able to identify us and say, "Hey, he has compassion." Right? Not that we don't struggle with that, right? That's a hard one, and that doesn't always come through. We go back to the old way. But that's, this should be one of the things that we do have: compassion, kindness. right That's interesting. It's in one of the, the love chapter, right? I think it's in Corinthians somewhere that we talk about, right? kindness, just being generally kind, right? Kind and polite, right? Just being kind. Like I said, when people see you in the marketplace or at your job, they should see you as someone who is kind. I always think of kindness in the marriage relationship, right? For me to be kind and to PJ, I've got to do something above and beyond what I would normally do to be kind, right? It's not just the normal. It's not just take out the trash, because that's part of my responsibilities and I need to do that, but something above and beyond, right? Maybe take something off her plate or to buy her a gift or to do something that's kind above beyond that. In context, he's talking about being kind in general to everyone or to each other. For you that are married, there was a marriage ship in there, just if you want to pick that out. (laughs) Think about it, especially you guys. I'll, I'll pick on the guys. Humility, right? Being humble, right? Pride gets in the way, right? Pride says it's about me first, right? Humility lets someone else go first or lets someone else have the moment. Humility. Gentleness, right? Being gentle, right? Understanding that people are at different spots, people are in different places, and being gentle with them, how you treat them, how you handle them. Giving grace, not beating them up or blowing them up but being gentle oh and this last one patience right right now, how do i know maybe that guy had to cut me off in order to get somewhere because he needed to be there before i did right i joke but again it's a good reminder right but patience being patient and how do we do all this right that's a long list. Well, context here even says bear with each other, right? Old joke. Oh, there's no no kids in here. Not too many, so it's good. But a dad joke, right? I always say bear with one another, not be a bear to one another, right? Don't club them to death. Don't claw them to death. Take off their head. But actually, in the, the context, I heard explain once that that bearing with each other is is absorbing the offense, right? As believers, we 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 offend each other from some time to time. We do things that um, we don't like or we wouldn't do it that way, right? But having the ability to say, you know what? I can absorb that. That's, you know what? I can take that one. I can take that hit. Again, I'm talking about smaller offenses. I'm not talking about sin issues because he addresses that here with forgiveness. But bearing with another is just maybe putting up with some of our quirkiness. I know you folks have had done a lot of that with me being from the East. You've put up with a lot. But... A serious note, right? Bearing with one another. So you know what? That's not a big deal. Yeah, it's annoying, but you know what? It's okay. I don't have to change them. It's, just, it's not a sin issue. It's something that I can, I can handle. And so that's that, that bearing with one another and just putting up with. We, we're a bunch of different people coming together and doing life together. And so we have some differences. So the other one's really important and would save a lot of headaches and bump aches, and, but forgive one another. Forgiveness. I could do a whole message on forgiveness, because again, that's a, a constant reminder and how we do that. Um, but forgiving. If you have something against, right? There's the Matthew 18 passage. There's the glade. so There's a number of ways to, how do we forgive, right? And how we do that. In fact, if premarital couples, they have to go through that process with me. I actually work on that on one of my lessons on how to to ask for forgiveness, how to receive forgiveness, and then how to walk in forgiveness. Because guess what? If you're married, you're going to have to put that into practice, right? But you know what? We have to do it really with our brothers and sisters in Christ as well. We are going to sin against each other from time to time, and we're not, not, it's not all right, but how do we handle that? How do we forgive them? Right? Paul knows. Paul knows this is not easy. This is tough, right? And God knows it's not easy. He obviously had to make a way so that for forgiveness. But restoring that relationship is more important. And so, with forgiveness and walking in forgiveness, as I like to say it, um, over all these virtues, put on love. Right? That really is a key. That it's not just an add-on in the end here, but love is the 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 motivator, the the thing that's going to help us with our heart and our mind, with right with Christ, to do these things, to actually put them into practice. Right? Now, think of forgiveness. We just come off that one, but right? The, the only way, really, I can forgive someone, truly forgive them, is if I've got to love them, despite of what they've done to me. The only way I can bear with someone is be, despite, is because of what they've done. Right? Those other sins may be something they do, and it's only hurting themselves, but some of these other ones, they're something that happens within the body, it affects other people. And there's not many sins that really only affect us either, which we truly think about it. But put on love, right? Love each other. I love you enough that I'm going to go the extra mile with you, right? That's what it's saying here. And again, if we can do all these things, and we can all be operating that, and we can be, be working on that new self and be in that new place with love, it'll bring about unity, which is the goal, really. The goal of the church is here, and Paul's writing to churches. The goal of Pointway Church here, one of them is to be unified, to be united, to hang together, to love one another, to work through things, to be there for each other when we need Right? In unity. Again, unity doesn't mean that we're all exactly the same because we're, we're diverse in many ways. But still loving and working together as a group. Wow. Somebody's phone. Oh, it's okay. It's Franny. I didn't know there was. I just. I didn't know if that was like. That's the end right there. Charlie, you went over time and I didn't know there was a timer on me this morning. So. But no, it's all good. It happens. It could have been my phone for that matter. So. Oh, okay, just making sure the timer, yeah. There's no clock up on the wall. So, But unity, right? Perfect unity is us working together as the body of Christ. So, a lot to think about. A lot to work on, right? You, I hope you go back and look at this passage, right? Fourteen verses. It's not hard, not long, but I encourage you to go back and look because it's a great reminder for your week. It really sets that up well. And again, it, it works in our families. It works at our places of work. It works in our church especially about being different. And, and again, not different in a kooky way, but different in a good way, a Christ way. Right? Starts with Christ, And then it should play out in how we live. And so maybe there's some things that we need to take off. Maybe there's something on that list you said, oh, wait a minute, I just messed up with this this week. Maybe I slept a little bit in that area. I spoke about that person. I slandered them. Maybe I dropped a bad word. The key is going. Maybe I just wasn't kind in that situation. And again, the key is going back to forgiveness. Go back to that person. Challenge you. Creates opportunities. I think Dawn, she mentioned that, right? Creating those opportunities. And Joe, about proclaiming, again, creating opportunities. You can do that with your walk as well and your life. It should create those opportunities. And again, maybe you haven't. Maybe you've had a good week, and I hope so. And maybe you've got this all down. Then please come talk to me and help me, because I'm still struggling with some of these. But some of these other areas, right? Encourage. Also encourage when you see it in someone else, right? If someone is being patient or they're being kind, encourage them. Thank them. I know it's an old thing, right? But saying thank you is still relevant today. But help us to become more and more like Christ each and every day. And so pray that for us this morning as uh, we close this time with the word. Gracious Heavenly Father, I do thank you for your word that does encourage. Lord, it shows us that the work in you is complete, but the work in us is still ongoing. Lord, continue to help us to grow. Help us not to lose sight of you. Help us not to lose sight of our eternal destination. Lord, we thank you and we praise you so much for all that you did on the cross and the gift of salvation and the hope of resurrection and the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit within us. Continue to do that work. Continue to grow us to be more and more like you. And Lord, I also pray that you just continue to help us here at Pointway, that we would be united, that we would continue to be putting on and putting off things that need to be done.